Back on a Saturday morning in July of 2015, Tina's family gathered around the family dog and opened a subscription box they had ordered full of treats and toys. Later that day, her eight-year-old daughter asked, wouldn't it be cool if our chickens got their own box of treats? That question stuck with Tina, and after some research, Henny and Rue was launched, or should we say hatched? And that was in October 2015. Henny and Rue boxes make the perfect gift for you or the chicken keeper in your life. Each box includes poultry first aid items, a few other chicken surprises like treats or other things to make your chicken keeping easier, and there's always a gift or two for the chicken keeper. With each item being carefully selected by a chicken keeper and her family, you can feel good about being sent items that you and your flock will love. So go to honeyandrue.com and use code DRINKINFARM at checkout to get 10% off your first subscription box. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. <laughs> oh, hey there, Bev. <laughs> what are you awkwardly opening over there? <laughs> so I opened a Jackie O's mm. Sing to the Sun Hazy IPA, and it has, hold on, let me get to it, cicadas on it. Oh, they look like disco cicadas. They do. Well, like you know, it. I think they called it Sing to the Sun. Because cicadas only sing during the daylight. Yeah, so that. So what are you drinking over there? So I am drinking... Oh, I did a bad job pouring that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, we're on a roll. We're both so awkward this morning. Oh, that's well, this okay. afternoon, I guess. That's okay. You guys love us by now, I hope. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I am drinking the rest of that back 40 I drank during the dive bar. Oh, nice. And just so people don't think it sat in my fridge open for like two and a half weeks, that was, we recorded that like yesterday <laughs> or two days ago. So I'm not drinking gross flat beer. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I just no, didn't want it to get gross and flat. <laughs> no, that's fair. You didn't want to waste beer. So good on you. Yeah. Good on you. I mean, this one does taste a lot like um, Bush Light. It's like that kind of quality of beer. So it's like, I mean, it costs more than Bush Light. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, but it's a nice, refreshing summer one. So I'm okay drinking it almost twice in a row because I highly encourage others to go snag it if they can. Nice. Nice. I like it. Our drink peep this episode is our friend and teammate, Katie over at Sticky Holler Farm. So cheers, lady. Cheers. (laughs) So I am so pumped for today's episode. We're doing something a little, I wouldn't call it different because we've done interviews before, but it's been a minute. Yeah, it has. And this is a new kind of interview format that we're doing with this whole video thing and all that. So yeah, it's all It's all new and interesting and fun, I think. Yeah, I think so too. So today we are having our friend from Meyer Hatchery, Kendra, join us. She 
is going to tell us all about some of her experiences with raising chickens, bantams, ducks, turkeys, quail, and guineas. And she actually lives in Michigan too, which kind of surprised me because Meyer Hatchery is actually located in Ohio. So small world, small Midwest, I suppose. <laughs> right. <laughs> One part of them is in Michigan and the other part is in Ohio. So that's, I don't know. I think yeah. that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Kendra also hosts a podcast called The Coop with Meyer Hatchery. And on that podcast, she shares her experience with her co-hosts every week in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. So we're really looking forward to getting to know more about Kendra and more about Meyer Hatchery. So I guess without further ado, let's get into it. Woo! All right. So welcome, Kendra, from Meyer Hatchery and Coop podcast fame. We're super excited to have you on today. We already did a little intro at the beginning of the podcast to introduce our listeners to you. So I guess we can just dive right in. Is there anything interesting that you want to tell our listeners about your experience with chickens or Meyer Hatchery before we start diving into the questions? I don't think so. I just appreciate being here. I'm super excited. We're We're super super excited excited to have you. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited. We interrupt each other. Yes, we do. (laughs) All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about working for Meyer Hatchery and maybe even a little brief like history of how Meyer Hatchery came to be? Yeah. So Meyer Hatchery was founded by Karen Meyer in 1985. So it's been operating for over 36 years now. Uh, She started it alongside her husband and children in Polk, Ohio. They owned a dairy farm. So her husband runs the dairy side of things. And she operates the poultry side of things. And they're still the proud owners today. It's kind of amazing because if you pop in, Karen is right there working on the floor alongside everyone else. And so she is amazing to see as a female entrepreneur in the agricultural industry. That's hard to come by sometimes. And she ended up purchasing her first flock from a hatchery in Ohio that was also female owned. And so she started out with four breeds and it's evolved into what it is today. They offer over 165 different types of breeds now and different poultry types. We also have a full line of feed and supplies. And of course there's a store in Polk, Ohio, if you're local. I joined the team three, going on four years And I helped out with customer service primarily when I started. So I was answering your phone calls and chats and emails. And then I quickly evolved my role into marketing. So that's my primary background in real life. (laughs) And so now I host the Coop podcast and I still help out with things like the blog and catalog design and things like that. But the Coop podcast is my primary role. That's super cool. How did you guys decide to get started with a Meyer Hatchery podcast? It was actually our YouTube gals idea. And I was completely on board with it when she, you know, pitched the idea. And we kind of went back and forth and put it on pause for a minute. And then finally, it was beginning of last year. I was like, okay, guys, it's time. Let's do this thing. And so I put together the plan and pitched it and I got my co-host on board. 
who I've mentioned before on our podcast, was not agreeable to working with me at first. He was <laughs> doing phones. So you'll hear Jeff answer the phones. And he was like, nope, I'm just doing phones. And we're like, come on, we need a male voice. You'll be great. <laughs> so with a little shove, he uh, joined me and he <laughs> doesn't regret it, luckily. But yeah, that's kind of how it started. It was just an idea that sat there and festered. And we finally decided it was time to pull the trigger. And We've been going ever since. So we have the episodes that drop on Fridays. And then we also do smaller Meyer moments, we call them, which are five minutes or less on Tuesdays. Very nice. So what do you think makes Meyer Hatchery stand out from other hatcheries? So a lot of things. No, (laughs) just kidding. Good, good. That's great. Yes. (laughs) I think the female owned part is huge. Like I said, that's not something you see in agricultural a lot. And especially when you think about her starting 36 years ago, it had to be almost unheard of. And just her work ethic. I mean, that drives the whole organization, really. It's kind of funny. We recently did a blog post and Karen, the owner, gave some tips. And her tips were to learn from those that come before you to surround yourself with good people. And then if you try something new, give it three tries. And if it doesn't work, move on. And so it's just like that mentality and mindset that she filters through the company. And I hope that people get a chance to see that, whether they visit or purchase from us. And then Meyer Hatchery also kind of pioneered the poultry industry with some of the things we offer. So small order minimums is huge. If anyone has ever ordered poultry before, ordering 25 of something is not really fun for backyard keepers or homesteaders. So the small order minimums, especially in the summer for chickens, it's only three, April through November. And then December through March, it goes up to eight, which is still pretty small compared to some others. We also have a ton of policies in place that help protect our customers. So 48 hour live arrival policy. That means when the order arrives to you, you have 48 hours to report any issues. So if they're lethargic or acting funny, you can call into our customer service and we're happy to give you tips and help kind of mentor you through that arrival process. We also just implemented a gender accuracy policy. So if you get a rooster and you are supposed to be getting hens, and I think it's like 22 weeks is our kind of cutoff date when you should know if it's crowing or not. You can send us photos if you need help identifying, and then we give you a credit back. So we refund you on that bird. And then a huge thing for those who like to hatch their own eggs, we breed stamp our eggs. So if you order an assortment of different breeds. They come with a special code. We have an ID online and you can identify what breeds you'll be hatching, which is fun, especially for those that do hatch in classrooms. Then you can kind of walk through the kids on what breeds so that teachers know as well as the students. And then I think our last policy that's really kind of interesting is leg banding. So we do offer some rare breeds and some of those rare breeds are hard to identify. So we leg band some of those. So when they arrive, you can kind of pick them out of your cluster of chicks that you ordered. And then last but not least, I have to give a shout out to customer service. That's where I came from. (laughs) I don't forget those guys. Our customer service is unique. Agriculture, just across the board, sometimes people are unresponsive. And I think Meyer Hatchery does a really good job of that, even from a customer standpoint of you know, responding on a timely basis, being accessible through chat and email and on phones. And then of course, all of the resources we have available. So everything from the podcast to YouTube videos, to our blog, 
we have a lot of different avenues for you to learn and grow as a poultry keeper. (laughs) (laughs) Deep breath. Deep breath. I know. (laughs) That was a lot of good stuff, though. Like, that is amazing. And I know I, I mean, I obviously have ordered from Meyer. Everything went swimmingly. I've had no problems whatsoever. So I didn't really have to lean into any of those policies, but it's super nice to know that those are there because I'm obviously going to be a repeat customer. I'm going to come back because the experience I had was just so darn good that for my meat birds, this is the place that I want to go and get them from now on. So I also really like the website. The website is super nice, well-organized, easy to use, and it's nice to look at too. I will say other websites aren't as nice or user-friendly sometimes. So for me as an end user and for somebody that's in health information technology, I appreciate a good website. And you guys have one. <laughs> yeah, our website manager is, will weep when she hears those words from you because oh. it was a huge <laughs> undertaking this last year to get that up and to make it mobile friendly. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. going to mobile and shopping. Mm-hmm. So we really put a lot of user experience effort into that to making sure our customers could find and make purchases easily and on the go. And yeah, it's been the whole photos too have been a huge process within our organization to make sure those are up to date and providing relevant photos of chicks versus when they're mature so people can really identify what they're receiving and choose what's going to fit best for them. So I'm glad to hear your experience was good. (laughs) And I did order those from my cell phone just and it was kind of an impulse buy. So the whole mobile experience was very good for me. And it, it caught me hook, line, and sinker. And funny story, I looked over to my husband and I was like, how many meat chickens do you think I just bought? And he goes, eight. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, try 30. And he was just like, ugh. <laughs> It was just that easy for my own cell phone to impulse buy chickens on a Sunday morning. So I think you guys nailed it. Yes. Well, when we pitched the idea of being mobile friendly, everyone inside the company was kind of like, well, are you sure? Are people really doing that? And I'm like, you guys, impulse buying is where it's at and it's off a mobile device. So you're our perfect case study. (laughs) I'm glad I could help. (laughs) Poster child right here. So you've mentioned that there are quite a few different kinds of breeds and different kinds of birds you can buy from Meyer. So what do you think are some of the most unique ones that Meyer Hatchery offers? Yeah, so I think when a lot of people think hatchery, they only think chickens. And we offer so many different poultry types. So we have the chickens, both standard and bantam, ducks, turkeys, geese, guineas, and game birds. We also have some exotic fowl, so some pheasants and things like that if you're looking to add to your aviary. (laughs) But as far as my favorite breeds go, I mean, there's, there's so many. Okay. So my flock is like 130 ish growing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I can appreciate that. That's more than Sam and I have. Yes. (laughs) And Jeff likes to call me out my podcast host on that all the time of how I also make impulse buys. And even working for the company, when I know that the sale is almost over, I'm like, okay, I just have to buy these things right now because, you know, what's a few more? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So back to your original question, I think one of my favorite breeds is the Lakeshore Agar. I know hybrids can sometimes be a touchy subject. People are either pro 
heritage breeds or pro the fancy breeds. Um, but the Lakeshore Ager is just a fun multicolored breed. As a hybrid, it comes in a variety of colors. So you never know quite what you're going to get. Sometimes they can have the mohawk crest a little bit, the floppy combs. They're super friendly. They can lay blue, brown, or green eggs. A lot of mine lay the blue eggs, which I tell people all the time can really rival the blue Americana. I know that's kind of like the keepsake breed, but if you're looking for something (laughs) a little more inexpensive, try the Lakeshore Eager. So yeah, they're a favorite and they're a high producer too. So if you're looking for eggs, that's the breed for you. The other breeds that I love, of course, are Moran's black copper Moran's, which everyone is well aware of because of those dark chocolate brown eggs. But you'll be surprised to know there's so many different Moran's variety, blue copper, golden Moran's. I almost have one of every one and they're all (laughs) super friendly and they free range really well. So if you're looking for something in that department, that's the way to go. And then not only do I have layers, but I also raise meat birds And this month on our podcast, I've been promoting the heck out of Rainbow Rangers because I love them. I'm 100% team Rainbow Ranger. And so (laughs) that's my choice of meat bird I raise. And then I also raise the bourbon red turkeys, which is a heritage breed. Mm -hmm. And we raise those for meat as well. So a few of my favorites, if I have to pick. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sam, which meat birds did you end up picking out from Meyer Hatchery? So, I got the Rainbow Rangers, and then I think they're the Gray Rangers? Gray Boiler Rangers is what they're called? But I love them both, and they've been so healthy. I was a little concerned with getting into the meat bird game personally, because I've seen some really... I'll just say kind of gross things with the Cornish crosses. And I was worried for my first experience that it would kind of turn me off. So I wanted to do something that might take a little longer, but seemed a little friendlier, at least from the pictures and some <laughs> some Googling I did. So that's why I went with something that was going to take a few more weeks. Maybe wouldn't get as, you know, beefy as a Cornish cross. But I feel like now that I kind of put my toe in the water, I might be open to trying some of the other meat bird breeds, but I really just like how the rainbow ones look too. I mean, guys, they don't look like a rainbow, but they're kind of interesting to look at because they're colorful. But yeah, they're not they're not like running around like a rainbow on your property or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of remind me of, well, they look like a regular chicken, which um, in my experience, Cornish crosses haven't, but they look like a regular chicken that's been working out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how I would describe them. Uh, Rainbow Rangers is what I decided to pick to raise for fall as well, because we're actually going to start a new tradition here at our house. One of my long-term goals is to have a farm fresh Thanksgiving. So that's where I like grow and raise everything that we have for Thanksgiving. And usually I purchase a turkey from the Amish. But this year I told my husband, I was like, well, I'm going to do fall meat birds, uh, meat chickens, and we're just going to do two or three three of the chickens that we raise because 
Like at our house, the turkey is never the star, even though I make a badass <laughs> turkey and it's so good. Like it's still not the star. So I was like, why are we buying this $80 turkey from the Amish to have when everyone just eats all the sides and then we have six months worth of turkey in the freezer? <laughs> when I can raise chickens, which I'm good at, I've done it a bunch of times and we can totally process them here ourselves. And then that can be one more step towards our farm fresh Thanksgiving without having to add a new kind of animal that we raise here because we're familiar with chickens we have the setup we have all the gear we need for it so I love that so Kendra why would you say the rainbow ranger is your favorite meat chicken breed that Meyer offers it's one of my personal favorites because I'm infamous for being a lazy chicken keeper (laughs) so (laughs) Cornish cross you have to have kind of a different setup And whether you're keeping them confined inside your coop or you choose to do a chicken tractor, you constantly have to move that tractor for them, changing out their feed, the 12 hours on, 12 hours off. It's just an additional step in your homesteading routine. And I did. I raised Cornish Cross before and I did try to like kind of free range them a little bit, which didn't turn out well, (laughs) but I can speak from that experience now. So they were fine. And I do. I encourage people to try them because I think it's good to know the differences between the two and really learn what you like personally. I think all too often people push their own opinions on new meat bird razors. (laughs) And I don't want to be that person, even though I will speak to the Rainbow Rangers. I do think there's pros and cons to both. For me, the Rainbow Rangers are nice because you can free range them. So I raise them up to a certain period and then integrate them with my layers. And then I just let them out with the rest of my flock and they eat with everyone else and they free range with everyone else. And then the day before processing, that's when I pull them from that flock and separate them for the night before processing. So it's just the fact that they're easy, they're healthy. And the other thing is, is sometimes on a homestead, your schedule doesn't always go as planned. So Cornish Cross, you have to process at that eight-week period max because they can develop health issues or leg issues. Where with the Rainbow Rangers, if for whatever reason you can't process them that weekend because it's a rainstorm or something happens in your family or something like that, they can wait another week and not exhibit those same signs. So I like that flexibility because my schedule is always changing and the best laid plans never go as planned. So um, those are some of my favorite personal reasons for picking the Rainbow Rangers. Awesome. Those are all good reasons. And I've been surprised to like these chickens, at least I think they're about four weeks old now. These ones seem to moderate themselves a little bit with the feed. Whereas I've heard like the Cornish cross are just total gluttons. So I haven't had to rotate the food in or out because it seems like they're eating at a reasonable pace. The most pain in the butt thing for me is that I don't have a big enough waterer. So I have to do water at morning and night to give them fresh water. But that's just my own setup problem. That's not their fault. I'm glad that they're hydrating because it's been really hot. <laughs> but really, I haven't, I, I've loved how simple it's been so far. And for me personally, I have a processor like right around the corner, a couple miles down the road. So I'll be able to just load them up and take them there and it'll be, it'll be just a breeze. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that for my first round. Eventually, I do want to do the processing on our own. And learn that. And it sounds like you have quite a bit of experience in that area. So I definitely want to learn more about that today. But before we get into more like advice on like 
raising the birds and doing that processing bit. What other kind of meat bird options does Meyer offer that people could look into if they're trying to get into meat birds? Yeah, so the most common are chickens. So for chickens, you either have the broiler, which is that Cornish cross, or a broiler ranger is usually how they're described. And that's the gray ranger or the rainbow rangers. So the broiler, you usually process out at six to eight weeks, where with the rainbow ranger, they can go like 11 to 13 weeks. So those are your two kind of meat bird options. You could also do dual purpose breeds. So a lot of people who do egg laying or send eggs to market, they'll pick dual purpose breeds because after they hit their two year peak in egg production, they'll process them for meat and just eat them for their own purposes. Usually people don't care to buy those breeds because they are a little bit older. So you don't usually see those at market, but for family consumption, I've done it. It's just fine for me. The Instapot does wonders. So um, totally an option there. Say they're perfect for the crock pot or the Instant Pot, any stew or like chicken and dumplings or anything like that. They're awesome for them. Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of people get scared because, you know, everyone in society says, oh, they're tough or stringy. And it's like, mm, yeah. you need to learn to cook them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you got to let them rest. They've got to rest for a few days in the fridge. If you try to process and cook that day, they're not nearly as good. <laughs> yes, exactly. So those are kind of the meat chicken breeds, but you could also do different poultry types. So heritage breeds when it comes to turkeys, which is another bird I raise, really great meat bird. And they, the taste of those are just so good. The flavor profile of a heritage breed completely outweighs your broad-breasted, which is the other common meat bird. So the broad-breasted turkey is kind of like the Cornish cross of turkeys. And they get really large. They have a lot of white meat. Again, those ones have to be processed at a certain time. You don't want to let them go because then they can develop leg issues or health issues because of the weight because they carry so much. Those are kind of it for meat breeds that I would typically recommend. I think we kind of joke on our podcast, any bird can be a meat bird. <laughs> so you can raise, you know, we have partridges and pheasants, of course, that a lot of people like to raise as meat. I know quail is super trendy right now. That's not a breed Meyer carries, but I raised them and processed them. Super tasty and something fun to try, you know, a little bit different because of their smaller size. But yeah, if it gets to a point where you have too many birds in your flock and need to call down a little bit, don't be afraid. You can eat any bird. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yes. So what advice would you give to someone starting out with raising their own meat birds? So I think the biggest thing is planning and research. And I know that sounds so cliche and like, duh, kind of <laughs> common sense. But there's so many different types and the temperament and the climates of where you live. And I think when you compare those different poultry types and breeds, you then have to compare that to your setup. So do you have the capacity to hold those birds? And if so, like, what does your routine look like? And that's something I discovered first raising the Cornish cross, deciding, eh, I don't like the way this changes my routine and moving to Rainbow Rangers. I think another thing too is once you try one poultry type or breed and you don't like it, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try something new um, because not everything is going to be a good fit right off the bat. It takes some time and kind of a learning curve especially raising meat birds. They are a little bit more finicky than raising a layer, 
They're prone to those temperature swings and drafts in your coop and stress, especially broilers. So when you're transporting them or your weather's changing or you change their environment for whatever reason, that can have a drastic impact. So doing that planning and research in advance is a huge part. But like I said, I'm really, I really encourage people to do that on their own. I think listening to people like us chat about them is great and informative, but making that decision for yourself is a big part of it. So what advice would you give to someone starting off with meat birds? Like, do you have any like tips? Like what's what I'm looking for? Like, do you have anything that you do on your farm that's like really specific to what you do when you're raising meat birds? Like for me, one of the things, one of the things that I do is I always start them off with a really big hanging water because I've discovered that meat birds are just a pain in the butt with the water. Otherwise (laughs) they just like get all the poop in it and all the shavings and stuff in it. And then I get really irritated with them right off the bat. Like, do you have anything like that that you do on your farm? Yeah. So the hanging waters not only are great for cleanliness purposes, but it helps make them stand up and move. So keeping even the feeders elevated, if you can, is big for meat birds to get them up and moving. And chicken tractors are huge. So if you have a chicken tractor and you're willing to put it to use, that's a great way to raise meat birds. Personally here on the farm, like I said, hitting a certain point and then integrating them into my flock is a big thing we do here. And having good integration techniques and a setup for that is huge. So if that's something that you'd want to pursue as well, um, my farm, I kind of have like a main coop in the back with doors to the outside. I have dedicated, two dedicated brooders, technically three, where I can brood and rotate. And then I have an internal coop that doesn't have access to the outside. So for meat birds before processing day, I put them into there and then I'll move them, you know, pull them from there for processing or that integration period where they can see the rest of my flock without getting access to them for a week or so. That's a really nice holding pen for that kind of setup. And then the feed, starting with a high quality feed. So meat birds need that higher protein chick starter to get going. So just making sure you have, you know, clean water. They do drink a ton. It's weird that meat birds drink so much more than regular chicks do, but they do. <laughs> they need water to plump up those muscles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All that running around there doing lift that heavy weight. Yeah. <laughs> the feed waters are huge. And just making sure those are clean and set up to avoid any risk of disease or issues like that is another big factor I would recommend people take into account. I love that advice. And in fact, I think I'm going to see if I can integrate my rainbow rangers in with my flock because it'll be good timing for free ranging that flock again because the garden will be winding down. During this season, my chickens don't free range because otherwise I wouldn't have a garden. (laughs) (laughs) But once the garden starts winding down and it's just like kale and lettuces and carrots, they seem to leave it alone at that point. Or at least if they get into it's not nearly as big of a deal as if they got into it right now so (laughs) well the other nice part about integrating them with your layers too is they're so food driven that getting them you know trained to go in and out of the coop is not hard at all because as soon as the flock starts running out the rest of your rangers will start running too because they think they're running towards food which most times chickens (laughs) are running for food Uh But yeah, they're super easy. I hardly ever have to, you know, go out at night with a flashlight and pick up birds and throw them back in the coop. They're (laughs) food driven. (laughs) They have like chicken FOMO. (laughs) Yes, very much so. I love that so much. Those are great tips. 
I do have one more question for you, and it's one that I think is kind of a mental hurdle for me. I know Bev has processed her own meat birds before, but I have not. And as you mentioned, this round I'm not, because it just doesn't fit my schedule for this round. But what would you say was the most helpful thing for you to get over any kind of mental hurdle you may or may not have had with processing your own birds? So I think the biggest thing, I think a lot of us joke not to name your chickens if you're going to eat them, which yes, but I have always put myself into the mindset that these are food and then these are like my layer pets, we'll call them. And I think having that separation is really good. I like that I started with Cornish Cross because of the fact you mentioned, Sam, about how they're not so appealing to look at makes them easy to not get attached to. So you're like, meh, you're kind of gross. I'm just going to eat you. And so you don't have that like heartache when you end up processing them. And I think that was a huge thing for me because it is hard on a homestead. And I think it's important to know that even though you're processing your own food for the greater good of your health and your family, and maybe even your community, not being numb to death or loss, like still having feelings, recognizing it, accepting it and moving on is a big part of the process. And I don't want people to be afraid that they felt bad or that they're not tough homesteaders because they felt bad. You definitely can. It's a hard thing to do, but once you overcome it and it becomes part of your routine, it does get easier as time goes on and it's okay to continue to have those feelings. So I think that's the biggest thing, just keeping it in your mind that these are food to feed your family and these are also food to feed your family, eggs <laughs> and being pets. You know, you can have that relationship with them and interact with them a little bit differently. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I do think that sometimes people get the idea in their head that in order to be like a quote unquote real homesteader, they have to not care that they're processing an animal for food. Like that's part mm -hmm. of like the toughness being a homesteader. But the truth is we never want to be numb to it, but we do get practice doing hard things and overcoming hard emotions. And I think that that really translates into your everyday life when you recognize your feelings of uncomfortableness or sadness, even that this is a thing that's that you're doing, but you you get to practice overcoming those. And then when you, you know, come across something hard and something that's farm related in another area or maybe like with your job or something else with your life, like you have practice working through those emotions and you don't just shut down or worse, you know, react really inappropriately because you've had the opportunity to feel those and, and do it and survive on the other side. Like your body knows that you're not going to die because you feel bad right now. <laughs> Exactly. Life lessons on the farm that you never thought <laughs> you would come to. And I think another big part is knowing you'll mess up. Processing chickens is a process. It's one of the most intensive as far as steps go. You know, it's not just like hanging a deer and gutting and chopping it into your pieces. There's the defeathering and the scalding and all of that process you're working through. And so it's okay to mess up. Your first cuts don't have to be perfect. Your bird will still taste really good. We processed pigs for the first year on our farm last year, and I totally cut pork chops like down the middle on accident. So it had like these two pieces like this. <laughs> and so we oh, still, no. we pull them out of the freezer and laugh like, well, these are Kendra's pork chops. 
So they still <laughs> taste great. They cook fine, even though the cut isn't perfect like in store. So I think getting, you know, out of that mindset that it has to be right and perfect the first time, it's meant to be a learning experience. So just embrace it. Gosh, that's great too. And so fascinating that you're also processing your own large animal on your farm too. Like that's pretty badass. Yeah, it Girl is. power. <laughs> yeah, it was a big, it was a big undertaking, but we did it. And I think that's something that I love to show people or let people be known. And I've gone to, you know, neighbors and friends and helped with their processing. It's funny. This is kind of a brief, almost off topic story, but our neighbors usually send to the processor and for whatever reason they didn't this year. And I offered to help because it's like I said, it's a process and the more hands you have on deck, the better. So I showed up with my coffee, got right into processing, into my routine. And his wife came out and kind of stood there and you could tell she didn't really want to help process, but I was processing and she kind of felt like she should. So she very delicately, delicately was like holding the chicken and moving it. And, you know, I'm like, you know, elbow deep in the chicken. And so the next day they ended up processing the second half. And her husband was like, she came out and decided if Kendra's doing it, she can do it. And she totally rocked the second day. And it made me feel so good because it's not for everyone. And I understand that. And so it was funny that just my presence there encouraged her to take the next step. And so I hope that even talking in podcasts or showing blog posts or photos that I share of our homestead helps encourage the next person to go ahead and tackle those hard things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll make sure we link in the show notes where people can find your podcast, obviously how to get to Meyer Hatchery and all that fun stuff. Um, so people can go check it out. But we appreciate your time today and sharing your experiences. Yes, thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome interview. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Sweeter Heater. Sweeter Heater is a safer alternative to heat lamps. Their products provide a safe, soft, gentle infrared radiant heat to your new poultry friends. Sweeter Heater has no hotspots and develops a uniform heat pattern. It's designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your choice in baby poultry. So upgrade your feathered friends to Sweeter Heater. Go to SweeterHeater.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's SweeterHeater.com with code DRINKANDFARM, all lowercase. So that was an excellent interview. I had so much fun. Oh my gosh, I did too. Gosh, I just, I really loved getting to know her more and getting to know Meyer Hatchery more. And I think that I got some really great tips for raising this round of meat birds because like, I think that figuring out how to make things easier on you as the person responsible for all the chores and also just easier on your animals is key. Like that's key to being able to have the bandwidth for growth. So super exciting. Yes. Yes. And I think now is the fabulous time to announce that both of us are Meyer Hatchery brand ambassadors. Woo woo. And that means you guys can go and use the public discount code to get $5 off your first order. And it's just all caps drink and farm. So 
get on in that. It's not too late. Well, depending on your zone, I should say, it's not too late to do mate birds this year. And I, you know, just because we're brand ambassadors <laughs> doesn't mean that I am blowing smoke when I say these rainbow and gray rangers that I have are super easy. Like that is the God's honest truth. And I'd be saying that even if I wasn't a brand ambassador. So don't hesitate if you guys want to get into it before the end of this year, just just do those. Yeah, you can do what I'm doing and, and process them for Thanksgiving, <laughs> yes. which is my plan. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kendra was did make very good points about, you know, you got to find the breed that works for you. And I totally agree with that. But if if you're looking for somebody to influence you, <laughs> that is my recommendation. <laughs> we'll tell you what to do for those of you yes. that need someone to tell you. We'll, we'll be that person that's like, no, do this. The other option is terrible. No, actually, that's like the opposite of what we no. say here. That's like the opposite <laughs> of our podcast. But yes. But if you need a high recommendation there we go. that you have yeah. it now. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. So Bev, what is your can't even this week? All right. So I never thought that I would say this, but I am obsessed with the podcast Toxic, the Britney Spears story. I stumbled upon it this last weekend while I was mowing, and I swear to it, I listened to the whole thing straight, practically. Oh. And then I immediately went on Spotify and started streaming all of Britney's music, which I'm technically not <laughs> supposed to be doing because of the Free Britney movement, her conservatorship like gets all of the money right oh. now that's being made. So huge Britney fans are not consuming any of her stuff that gives money to the conservatorship at this time. But the podcast was just, it was fascinating. I just, I had no idea like that all of that stuff had gone on, which makes me feel kind of silly because like, Britney is my generation. <laughs> right. But I think it was so under wraps on purpose for a time. But with the power of social media and the recent hearings that have been coming out, I think a lot of people have kind of woken up to it. And I think it's just a general great reminder of, like, your rights as a human being. Yeah. And free Britney. I mean... I'm, I'm sure she she had a minute years and years ago where maybe this was a good idea, but now from my street corner, it feels a little excessive, and I haven't even listened to that podcast, so I might have to go do that because I could use something that's not like the news or politics <laughs> right now in my earbuds. That was what I needed too. Because that's all making me just like very sad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what exactly why I picked it up too, because I, I do subscribe to a lot of news and a lot of like political history podcasts. And I was just like, oh my gosh, my brain needs a break. But I honestly, I don't know that it was necessarily yeah. a great break because now I'm just fired up about something else. But great oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I need a pink shirt. This is hashtag free Britney on it. And it's funny. The thing that actually brought me to it, though, which is actually the thing that I can't even about was so at junior fair night at our fair. I talked about how Aurora did the outhouse mm -hmm. race. Well, one of the clubs had a free Britney themed outhouse. And I was laughing oh. because I was like, these are like 
babies. How do they even know like who Britney Spears is or what free Britney is? And but then like I thought about it and I was like, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this free Britney movement. So like I wonder what I can find. And I just like did a little bit of Google searching and that was how I found this podcast. And I was just like uh, like the first episode I listened and I was like Oh my gosh. It was like all of this is just so <laughs> wrong on so many levels. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. like I just, I think about what my life was like when I was 26 and like I made a ton of mistakes and did a ton of crazy things. And like, mm-hmm. and I think that like that's your human right to like spiral and fail. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, yeah, she just did it on a grand stage because she was in the public eye. Yeah, and um, you've got to listen to the podcast and then listen to her album Blackout because it's freaky. Like, it's creepy. The second track on that album is called You Want a Piece of Me. And she's talking about how she's Mrs. Um, Paparazzi at the grocery store, like, can't even pick up groceries. Like, are you effing kidding me? Like, (laughs) and it's like... Yeah, I mean, it, that was what her life was like back in 2007. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I think that that topic is so complex and has so many different layers to it too. And I think, like, this... <laughs> it might sound bad, but I feel like this is a topic that most people can agree on right now mm-hmm. too. Like, there's a lot of, you know, stuff out there right now that people just aren't seeing eye to eye on and getting a little aggressive about. But I think we can all unite and agree that it is time for this conservatorship to come to an end. And I know that her dad has stepped down, mm-hmm. but they're just looking to replace him. Currently. So it's like, it's like the devil you know uh-huh. is her dad. Is it really going to be a better person if she can't really get out of it? So... Stay tuned, folks. Yeah. If I see an update, I will share it (laughs) here as part of I can't even. (laughs) I'm just like super excited, too, that you're doing something like pop culture-y right now, too. Because I like pop pop culture a lot. So that just makes me can't even on a little bit of a scale there. (laughs) I know. I'm not usually tuned into all of that stuff, but I just like happened to get into it and I was like oh wow this thing has been like happening under my nose and I had no idea that that's what happens in your person that doesn't consume a lot of pop culture (laughs) but now I'm a huge Britney fan I'm gonna listen to like all of our albums now and get caught up (laughs) there you go so what is your can't even this week so I had a different one but literally while you're talking I just got a message from somebody on Instagram so I'm changing my mind and that's my can't even for this week So a while ago, my barn cat, Olive, got knocked up. She had kittens. And one of them has been recently adopted by one of our listeners. Her name is Sarah. And it's so funny. The part of it that I can't even about is that she, like, came over with her husband and her two kids. And her daughter had so much knowledge on birds. I was so impressed And, like, I could just envision her being, like, the next crocodile hunter of birds. Because she just, like, I was captivated while she was talking, and she was so intelligent and well-spoken. And I'm not sure what age she was, but she's got to be under 10. So that's the first part of the cat, even. The second part is that after they left, 
I was like, I went to my husband and I was like, so you know that was like the first time I met that person, right? And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, she's just off of Instagram and she like lives a couple, like a town down. Like that's, that's it. And she, <laughs> he's like, okay, I thought it was a coworker or something. And it's just so funny <laughs> to me. And, and Sarah's husband thought, thought the same exact thing too. And she actually pointed out, like, hey, all this podcast stuff around the house. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny, like, the power of social media and the farming community. Like, sometimes it's so seamless that the first meeting with somebody because you're in their Instagram and you're understanding their life and she's got horses. And I felt like I kind of knew her before I met her. So it made it at least not awkward for me. So I just can't even that somebody I follow on Instagram adopted one of my cats. And now I get to see some updates and it's adorable. And I know that the cat went to a really good home. And that makes me feel great too. So the end. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that so much. It reminds me of when I met Montana from Thimbleworks. She came over here while yeah. she was driving um, to a family event that she was going to. She had to like mm -hmm. drive on 35, like right by my place. And, and that's what it feels like. And that's one of the things that I do love about social media. And that's the thing that I remind myself of a lot when sometimes I'm feeling a little down about it is that you get to meet a lot of great people on mm -hmm. there and like we all might not agree about everything I mean some people might have listened to this and thought Brittany didn't need to be free but <laughs> I mean I doubt it it's like the one person it's like the one thing that people can agree on but like it's a reminder that we have this thing in common and like whether it's the love of drinking and farming or just farming in general or whatever it is mm -hmm. that you do like I don't know. I find it refreshing. So I'm happy to hear that yeah. you met someone from Instagram. I think it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to find common ground with people too, in general, that you disagree with. Like I have some coworkers that maybe I don't agree with their work style, but maybe we agree on these other things outside of work and it humanizes them too. So I think that's just a good general reminder to people that, you can find common ground with somebody. You don't have to agree on every single thing. Like, how boring would that be anyways? But I do think we can all agree. Hashtag free Britney. <laughs> let's, let's rally around that this year. Yes! <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> all right. So, make sure you leave us a review. If you haven't done that yet, or if it's been a while, you can probably still do that like go for a second round over on Apple Podcasts because we do read one review a week. If you don't have Apple product, you can download iTunes onto your laptop if you're super committed to this cause. We will take all the reviews we read from one month and put our the name in the hat and then we will draw one and then you'll win an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in the shop. My dogs are also excited about it. They're fighting behind me. <laughs> so because they're fighting behind me, Bev, you can do the honors of reading the review. All right. This week's review is from FLH42, and the title is 10 out of 10 or 10 slash 10. Love listening to this podcast. I've learned so much about the farm life. I learned proper duck care and how to perfect a pumpkin patch through here, and I'm so happy with it. And gosh, I love that review because it was just short and yes. sweet and to the point. And gosh, 
if it doesn't make me happy that somebody learned something from us that they can use and utilize. <laughs> I know, right? No, I like that they took what we told them and applied it and it worked because it makes my imposter syndrome just suck a big one. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's how you build confidence, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I like it. So thanks so much for leaving that review for us. We just, like we say every episode, we love reading your reviews and we mean it from the bottom of our hearts all the way to the top. All right. So just a few housekeeping items before we sign off for today. Remember, there's a newish series over on our Patreon called Straight No Chaser. You want to check it out if you haven't. Yes, you have to be a patron at the $5 level or above, but I think it's worth it because that is also more applicable content that you can go grab and do something with. We did a whole series on what to do with your garden herbs in the month of August. So lots of ideas. And it's a great way to support the podcast because this is not free. We do put a lot of time and energy into this. So we appreciate you taking the time to give us some of your hard-earned money because we we just can't even when that happens, honestly. Anytime we get a new Patreon, we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and be sure and hit the subscribe button or the follow button. And download the episode when you listen, if it's on a podcast player, because this helps more people like you find us. Um, and if you're listening to this on a podcast player and going, what the heck are the other options? The other option is YouTube. You could be looking at my face right now, but you're not if you're listening in the car. So <laughs> go on YouTube and go watch this because I kind of like watching us record in person. Like, and, and what's funny is until we started recording these and putting them on YouTube, Sam and I used to not look at each other while we did the podcast. So this is new for us too. <laughs> yeah. For years we would not look at each other, but now we can see if one of us picks their nose or scratches their butt or something. Mm -hmm. I have to be super <laughs> mindful not to scratch my butt because seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it is that time of year. Everything's a little sweaty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's true. It's true. <laughs> All right. So make sure you do us a favor because we like favors. Um, I know we're already asking a lot of you by tuning in and sticking <laughs> with us here. But if you're listening and you like us, you can share that you're listening to us um, on your Instagram. And you can tag us, Drink and Farm, because we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode. And that'll give you a percentage off in the shop. And our fall stuff is going to come out real soon if it hasn't already. And I don't know about you, but I'm super pumped for cooler weather and hoodie weather. I miss my hoodies so much. Uh, me too. I was actually just hanging mine up because I'm the person that left all my winter clothes in laundry baskets on the floor of my closet. I meant to put them me away too. in the attic and I didn't, but I realized it's the end of August, so I'm not going to make that trip up the stairs. So I hung them back up. Finally, I'm about a quarter of the way done. <laughs> yes. Same Z's. Mm -hmm. oh, so make sure you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to all of the important things that Kendra talked about her podcast, uh, Meyer Hatchery's website and all of that stuff, along with our social media goodness, link to our merch shop and everything you could possibly need uh, to feel like you're up to date on this podcast episode I guess <laughs> yes there's so much content out there for you all <gasps> we hope you enjoy it yes all right so until next time drink farm 
and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. We do things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Cooler weather may be on the horizon, but don't be fooled. Those creepy crawly little bugs are probably starting to hide deep in the litter in your coops and barns. That's why we use First Saturday Lime in all our animal enclosures and in our gardens. First Saturday Lime is the strongest and safest pesticide alternative on the market. It will not burn you or your animals, yet is strong enough to repel insects and dry up their eggs and larvae. First Saturday Lime can also be used to freshen up your coops and barns. It soaks up all the stink and helps extend the time between cleanup. So go to firstsaturdaylime.com to set up your auto shipment today so you never run out.